This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of a game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Coming up at 3.30, pro football focus Eric Eager will join the show, or as some like to call him, Dr. Eager. I saw Rob in Oakland hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, and had a couple questions that he wants me to ask him, and I will. And that's one way that you can use the Salmon Ash text line. Anytime we have a guest on, if you have a question you want us to ask, hit us. 69187 keyword R&R. Let us know the question. We'll, we'll throw it out there. Don't give me any, no, some crazy question. You know, Don't ask me what, you know, to ask him what he had for dinner or anything or whatever. But, yeah, no, you hit us with some real questions, and we'll ask. So uh, that's a great great one by Rob. So we'll definitely ask both the questions that, that, uh, that you hit us with on the Sam and Ash text line. Again, 69187 keyword R&R is coming up at 330. Had a couple questions of my own that I was throwing out there to you on the Raider Nation listener line and, of course, the text line. One, how did your father help shape your Raider fandom? Uh, obviously coming off the heels of, uh, of Father's Day on Sunday. And then what are the three biggest questions you have about this team or this coaching staff right now? My three big questions, who's going to be the, the five starters on the offensive line? Who's going to be cornerback one? And also, how is Josh McDaniels going to change the Raiders' success or lack of success in the red zone? Those are the three questions that I have. Obviously, all those questions can't be answered immediately, but those are the three questions that I have. So those are the questions that I'm asking you. We're going to get to cover three in just a few minutes. I do have a couple texts I want to get to. Vegas Pete said, so me and my four brothers grew up in a Packers house, but in 1972, they sucked. And after the game, the West Coast game came on. The mighty silver and black played in an epic game of the week, and they had this lefty quarterback. As a left-handed person, I always root for lefties, and the Madden Raiders were badass. So I went opposite my dad. Then topping it off, I moved to Las Vegas, and Mark Davis moves them here. As a badass, as badass a move as his dad would have done. And then he says, uh, part two, I can only think of four good left-handed quarterbacks, Stabler, Young, Zorn, and Vic. Can you name more? Um, that's always the million-dollar question, right? That is. And, and, and it's funny, when Tua was in the draft, that was one of the knocks against him. Well, how many successful left-handed quarterbacks has there been? You know, and it's and it's to your point, Vegas Pete. There's not a lot. There's not a lot. I think that you really hit it on the head. Stabler, Young, Zorn, and Vic. And and think about it. Think how long it, it it took Steve Young to prove that he was really that good. I mean, you saw he had glimpses of it, but it took him quite a while. Vic, you know, some will say that he was, you know, good because he was electric with his legs. He had a strong arm, but some will tell you that he wasn't that accurate. But I, I like I was a big Michael Vic fan. I even went out and got the shoes that said Vickum. <laughs> I'm serious. It was a, which now I guess takes a whole nother meaning now that we know the history. But uh, I had a pair of them shoes, Vickum. Yeah. So uh, there's not many. You know, to your point, Vegas Pete, there's not many. I like Tua a lot. Don't think he's one of them. We talked about Kellen Moore as the offensive play caller in uh, in Dallas. He wasn't very good. He was good in college. wasn't good in uh, in the pros. Then he got hurt and became a, a, a offensive play caller. Now he's. Uh, according to some, Pro Football Focus, one of the best in the league. I don't really believe that. I do think he's good, but I think he still has some some ways to go. 
I think he still has to prove himself a little bit more before we can say that he's just a you know offensive genius or an offensive guru. So that's uh, that's just me. But uh, thank you so much for those texts. I do appreciate you. Now, with that being said, you could always, like I said, hit us up uh, either by call or text. Let's go ahead and jump into cover three. It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We'll start Cover 3 off with uh, Indomitian Sue. He was on NFL Live. You're just tuning into the show. Cassie Soto from the Review Journal. She was watching NFL Live and saw Sue on it, and he was being asked about teams that he could potentially go to. And there was a couple teams that he was asked about. Tampa Bay, uh, basically the doors closed there. Asked about the Chargers. He closed the door, basically saying he didn't want to pay the L.A. taxes. And then they got to asking about the Raiders. They don't have as much cap space as the Chargers. It. Or I'm going to throw out another team. This Uh-oh. is my new bet. <laughs> Duncan, how about the Raiders? $20 million Ooh. in cap space right Vegas. now. Rebuilt offense to compete okay. in the AFC West. You love no that tax, tax situation. <laughs> An interior defensive line, to me, jumps out as a real need on this team because, of course, you got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones on the outside. What do you think? I like it, uh, to be honest with you. Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, uh, I was exchanging messages with him the other day. Uh, it's, it's an interesting opportunity for sure. We'll see where it kind of ends up, but... It could be that NFC West is strong. I mean, the AFC West is very, very yeah. tough, which should be fun. You get out of that, you're almost destined to get to the Super Bowl. So there's Indomitian Sue on NFL Live, and uh, Cassie Soto, i got to shout her out as many times as possible. She uh, she filmed it off her TV and then tweeted it out, so I thought that that was really good. And I've even seen other people uh, take her video and retweet it on their own and acted like it was their own. But uh, Cassie is the one who did that and actually got a retweet from Mina Kimes. So uh, there you go. I told I sent Cassie a little note. I said, hey, those little nuggets. That's what this industry is about. You make those little nuggets, you start building a name. And so shout out to Cassie uh, for being able to, to do that and being on top of the game. And I just bring that sound to you again. We started off the show with that, but I wanted to, wanted to bring that sound to you again just so you can hear it. So it's on your radar. I'm not trying to say that the Raiders are going to sign them. I'm not pounding the table for them to go sign them. And just know that Max Crosby and Chandler Jones both have reached out to him and doing a little bit of recruiting when it comes to Ndamukong Sue. So we'll see where that goes. How about another guy that's in the AFC West? How about Russell Wilson? We all know that the Broncos are getting a lot of love uh, now that they've added Russell Wilson. He believes that this team is a potential to win a Super Bowl. He believes this team is a winner. And he said, basically, that's the reason why he had Denver on his list. But uh, Zach Stevens, he covers the Broncos like a glove. He's been on the show many times, does an outstanding job covering the Broncos. He actually got a chance to, to talk to him at mandatory minicamp. And Russell Wilson was very excited about the opportunity in Denver. It's been a blessing just to come here, you know, just to come to an amazing city like Denver, to be a part of it uh, with so much amazing teammates and great coaching staff. Um, but also, you know, I came here once I once the trade was going to happen, and I said, "Hey, listen, I want to make sure I go to a city that wants to win. I want to make sure I go to a team that wants to win, and uh, I want to go to a city that knows how to win." And uh, all those three things were checked off the box here in Denver, and so um, I think we got a chance. There you go. Well, we all know that the Denver Broncos, they have been there, done that before. Uh, the last time that they were in the Super Bowl, obviously, was with Peyton Manning. They've won. Uh, they went to the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning twice. They only won with once. And really, uh, the time that they won, he, uh, he, he wasn't the guy. I mean, it really wasn't him. It was based off the strength of their defense. But they've been there, done that. And then Russell Wilson, he's also been to the Super Bowl a couple times. And he won once and should have won twice. But uh, that didn't happen. So 2013, 2014. So he knows, he knows about getting to the big game. You know, the, the team, Denver, they know about getting to the big game as well, but it's been a little while, so we'll see what happens. But as you can tell right there, he's pretty excited, pretty fired up about his opportunity there in Denver. How about Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman? He's ready for that number one role. If you go back to draft day, uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown was traded from Baltimore to Arizona. 
and they did not go and draft a guy to be the number one dude. And they said that they believe Bateman can be the number one guy. He was injured last season, so he didn't get to he didn't get to play the whole season. He missed the first five games, but he did finish with 46 catches, 515 yards, and one touchdown. And uh, he said that he's ready for that number one role. You know, and if you look at the rest of the wide receivers on the Ravens list right now, and, and who they have on the on the roster, they got Devin Duvernay, they got James Prochet. Neither one of those guys have 60 catches yet in their career. In their career, so that just lets you know that if someone's going to step up for Baltimore and be that big time playmaker, wide receiver, it's going to have to be. Rashad Bateman. And again, that's what they drafted him for, but he was banged up quite a bit at the beginning of the season last year, so he didn't get off to a good start, uh, but finished the season pretty decent. 46 catches, 515 yards, and a touchdown, but he's going to have he's gonna have to get you know on the same page with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's going to have to do a better job. That's the other question I have. When it comes to Baltimore, the wide receivers could be really good wide receivers, but is Lamar Jackson always going to be able to hit them? Because that's the one question I have about Lamar. I think he's a fantastic player. I really do. I like the person who Lamar Jackson is. I think he went to a perfect team. They kind of built that, that team so he, he could use all his skills to the best of his ability. But I just don't know if push comes to shove and he has to hit that, that ball and have to hit that, that pass to Bateman for a big first down. What you saw from Justin Herbert in that Week 18 game against the Raiders where he had to have big throw after big throw after big throw, and he did it. Can Lamar Jackson do that? I hate to question him because he's been a league MVP, but he's also been a guy that's been very tight end dominant, right? He'll go to the tight ends. There's a reason why Hollywood Brown wanted out of Baltimore. I'm not a big fan of Hollywood Brown. I, I, I said that when he was at Oklahoma. I said that when he was in the league. I'm just not a big fan of him anyway, but there's a reason why he wanted out of Baltimore. He wanted to be able to go somewhere where he felt he could put up some big numbers and be able to secure the bag. He didn't think getting the big numbers was going to happen in Baltimore with the offense that they ran. Well, the offense that they run also has to do with the quarterback that they have. And he's really good friends with, with Lamar. It's not like he, he didn't like them. They're, they're tight. But for him to try to get what he wants and, and, and achieve the goals he's looking for, it made more sense for him to ask out of Baltimore and go to Arizona where he teams back up with Kyler Murray, who, by the way, was his college quarterback at Oklahoma. And they have Cliff Kingsbury, who runs a, a Big 12 system in the NFL. So he feels like, hey, at the end of the day, I have a chance to win. I'm back with a guy that I'm familiar with. And, oh, by the way, I can put up some big numbers. Now, I don't know how that's going to work out for him. Again, I'm not a big Hollywood Brown fan. I feel like he's a one-trick pony. I really do. And that's just me, though. Maybe he's better. Maybe he's, he's not a one-trick pony. That's just what I see. So we'll see what happens with Rashad Bateman in Baltimore. We know that they can run the rock. We know Lamar's going to run the rock. But are they going to be able to, you know, are they going to be able to hold it down and make that big throw, make that big catch when they have to? When we had Ed Graney on earlier today, he was talking about Mike McCarthy uh, uh, being physical or still ha- or having too much physicality at their practice. The Cowboys last week were docked uh, a 2023 OTA practice for, for hitting a little too hard. Uh, too much physicality in practice and OTAs and mandatory minicamp. You're not supposed to have that kind of physicality. It's something that you're just not supposed to do. Uh, that's the second year in a row that they've been docked. The Washington Commanders, a.k.a. the Washington football team, they've also been docked, hit, hit with a $100,000 fine, and they're going to lose two 2023 organized team activity practices because of too much contact in practice. And then earlier this offseason, Matt Eberflus of the Chicago Bears, he got hit with OTA violations. So uh, those things are real. 
you know, the players, the the, the players association, they're always going to make sure that 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 guys aren't out there and uh, they're hitting too much when they're not supposed to be hitting. That's how guys get injured. Remember, these are not padded, so they want to make sure that you're as safe as possible. That's why you always hear the coach whenever a guy falls to the ground, stay up, stay up, stay up. That's all you hear. Like if there's one thing that we were able to hear. At practice, we didn't see a whole lot because they were on the far field, but I think the one time I saw a guy hit the ground, I heard, stay up, stay up, stay up, and I don't think I ever saw a guy hit the ground again. You know, and I know there's been times in the past the Raiders have been docked because they've had too much physicality, and some will say, well, that's cool. I'd rather them get docked to practice, but they're working hard. Well, yeah, but you don't want them to get injured, and you don't want them to be out there banging when they don't have any pads on. That's just setting yourself up for, for failure. That's how shoulder injuries happen. That's how hamstring injuries happen. That's just how a lot of things can go wrong real quick, fast, and in a hurry. So uh, that's what I got for you for Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day. Oh, I got this one note, too, Ari, that you, you brought to the table. Let me go ahead and pass this on before we take a quick break. This was that uh, PFF, you have, to, you have $10 to build your squad. And I'll tell you right now, I didn't even know every player on this on this list. And I think that Pro Football Focus was just rolling with a few of these guys because there's not even the best of the best here. But there's one guy on here that's very noticeable. There's two guys on here that really stood out to, I think, everybody, as I saw people on Twitter start talking about it as well. Basically, Pro Football Focus on this gave you $10 to build your squad. You have a $4 quarterback, a $3 quarterback, a $2 quarterback, and a $1 quarterback. And you have a 4 through $1 running back, wide receiver, and wide receiver. So two wide receivers, running back, and a quarterback. The $4 quarterback, Lamar Jackson. $3 quarterback, Russell Wilson. $2 quarterback, Trey Lance. $1 quarterback, Derek Carr. And what did you say when you sent this over to me? Uh, Are they trolling us? (laughs) Is this the ultimate troll job? Trey Lance has done nothing in the league. And it's not really a big deal. It's a difference of a dollar, right? But it's just the optics, right? It's the optics. Yeah, I'm, yeah the whole thing. The whole, <laughs> I don't even know how Are they pick so these confused? guys. Yeah, it's a weird, like you said, the optics. It's I just mean, weird. it's the optics because, again, everyone on this list is not even like the best of the best. You know what I mean? That, For example, the, wide receiver doesn't have Devontae Adams on here, but it's got Stephon Diggs and Tyreek Hill. And then it's got Hunter Renfro on there. Right, yeah. it's You know, and Terry McLaurin. I mean, it's just like the running backs. Derek Henry. And Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley's a $3 running back. I, I would not give you $3 for Saquon Barkley right now as much as he's been injured. I'm, I'm hung up on kind of the disparity of the QBs. Like right. Lamar, especially Jackson and, and Russell Wilson. That's, I don't, that stream seems strange. To, like the whole thing. It just overall. seems weird. It the whole, $1 and then right, the whole optics of this whole little yeah. thing. And maybe we can ask Eric about it. I don't know how much he had to do with this, but Lamar Jackson, the $4 quarterback. Russell Wilson, the $3 quarterback. Trey Lance has done nothing. Zero, zilch, nada in the league. He might not even play this year for all we know. Like, we think he's going to, but we really don't know, right? And then Derek Carr, who just got his team into the playoffs, is a $1 quarterback. Interesting. But I just had to pass that along. And again, if you, if you go to Pro Football Focus on Twitter, you'll see this, uh, you'll see this little graphic, and it's just, it's just weird. It, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, there's Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, uh, Travis Etienne, and Brees Hall. Brees Hall is rookie. ETN was injured last year. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, what are we doing here? So I don't really know the rhyme or reason to it, but I did find it a little bit interesting. So thanks for passing that along. 317 is the time. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, we have Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus coming up at 330. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. 
This situation could be Dak Prescott on steroids. Remember we talked about Dak's contract for like two years? Well, this could drag out. I, I don't think it's a slam dunk that they're going to get something done. And he's sending mixed messages about whether he would play week one or not. I think ultimately he's a baller. He wants to go out there and play regardless. Um, but, you know, th- this could get tricky over the next few months. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler right there talking about Lamar Jackson, his contract situation. It's funny that you had that little sound bite there. Ari, great job as we were just talking about Lamar Jackson and who their wide receiver number one is going to be there in Baltimore. And I was talking about Marquise Hollywood Brown. I said I thought that he was just a one-trick pony. And what I mean by that is just a guy that really stretches the field and, hey, hit me with the deep ball. You know, I mean, that's basically what he does. He just stretches the field. And I say just, that's, you know, that's not a slight to anyone who is that, but I just don't look at him as a complete wide receiver. I don't look at him as that, you know, ultimate game changer. And it's funny, we got a text on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, and you could always chime in at any part of the show uh, with anything that you have to say. By one-trick pony, do you mean dropping wide-open balls? Guys, extremely overrated. Just my honest opinion, LOL. I don't I, – I, I don't – I'm not mad at you for that <laughs> at all. I think he's extremely overrated as well. You know, you probably said it better than I did. Uh, I, I think that he's very overrated. And like I said, to me, he's a guy that can get downfield. He's got some – he's got the quicks, obviously – but I just feel like he's not really that complete wide receiver. And when he was shining in Oklahoma, there was so much stinking talent around him, so much talent around him. And, and look, hey, that's not his fault. But it's just I do think that he was uh, a bit overrated, as you mentioned. Thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the Raider Nation, listen to the line, and talk to our guy, Mitch in New Jersey. Mitch, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Too. how you doing? I'm blessed, man. How are you? Hey, man, good. Listen uh 24 days to be grandpa. Nice. So, uh, Congrats. Baby shower went well. I didn't, I didn't blow surprise, even though I came close. <laughs> he called me. I had him on speakerphone. Oh, no. Thank God my girl didn't hear it. But she got, got a little suspicious being at the bank for over two hours, you know. We weren't robbing banks, so. though. <laughs> Good. That's, that's a positive, man. That's a positive. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe Hollywood... Hollywood Brown should change his name to uh, Bollywood or Dollywood. There you go. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, Lamar ja- they better sign Lamar Jackson, Lamar Johnson, somebody else. Lamar Jackson, he, he's, a, he's a heck of a quarterback. They, they better keep him. Hey, I just like, I, it sounds like, uh, I don't know what Dominic Sue is taking his time for, but it sounds like it's good that he's going to be a Raider. And I think Trey Lance, um, I mean, he's really making things tougher. No one wants Jimmy. I don't understand this. But he should be starting. And he hasn't done anything, but he will be doing something in the near future. Okay. Hey, good call, Mitch. Hey, you know, by the way, oh. uh, to speak to uh, Zachariah, I know it should be off, off the record here, off the track. No, I haven't uh, I haven't so, talked to him yet. I will, though. All right. You take care. All right, brother. Appreciate you talking about Zachariah. He used to be at 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area. Yeah, I got to reach out to him. I'm glad you reminded me. I do have to reach out to him. And uh, pass that note along. As far as Trey Lance goes, yeah, I mean, that's the expectations, right? That's why they traded up for him was because they expected him to be a big-time baller. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Jimmy G, I think someone will trade for him once they actually know he's healthy. Right now he's got the shoulder injury that he's coming back from. He had the surgery on his shoulder, so that's an issue right there. And, yeah, Hollywood is more like a bootleg to me. You know what I mean? He's, 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 he looks like the part, but he, to me – 
not really the part, but we'll see. I mean, again, who knows? Maybe being in a new surrounding, being in a new offense, being back with his quarterback that he was there with in uh, Oklahoma and did some really good things with Kyler Murray, maybe that's going to make all the, all the difference in the world. So uh, that's, a, that's a strong possibility right there. Appreciate your call, my man. Uh, we got a text from Vegas Pete. Uh, Ruggs was the most exciting one-trick pony in years for the Raiders. When Carr dropped back and 11 flashed deep, he was money. Uh, Robinson filling that role, you think? That's a good question. You know, and, and the uh, shame, I mean, there's so many things that were shame about the Henry Ruggs situation, but it felt to me, and Vegas Pete, you can correct me if I'm wrong, it felt to me that he was starting to come around, right? Felt to me like he was starting to establish who he was in the league and who he could potentially be. And really, I felt like the Raiders were just starting to learn how to use him to the best of their ability. I think everyone knows that he probably shouldn't have been the number one wide receiver taken. I think that that, no doubt about it, should have either been C.D. Lamb or uh, the young man up in, uh, in, in Minnesota. And uh, I hate that I forget his name right now, but uh, you know who I'm talking about. Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, excuse me. Uh, you know, so it, it, that's, that's uh, one of those scenarios. But either way, it looked like he was starting to come around. And then, of course, we all know about the tragedy. And so, uh, but he, he, man, I'll tell you, I remember sitting there in Pittsburgh when uh, when Carr had that deep ball and <laughs> and hit him and, and that was basically the game winner. I mean that was just on the money. It was it was a pretty pretty thing to to witness. So uh, thank you so much for that that text, Vegas Pete. I do appreciate you. Now let's go to the phone lines. Bring in our next guest, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. And Eric, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. Uh, welcome back to the show. And uh, caught caught my attention this morning when our, our morning show, the Morning Tailgate, was talking about your latest piece on Pro Football Focus about offensive. Uh, play callers in the league and you had a top six and Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels was not one of them what went into the what what, what was kind of like the math that went into this piece that you put out on pro football focus yeah I mean for for us it's mostly you know expected points and success rate that kind of thing and you know how well a coach does above and you know above and beyond kind of like you know what would you expect with based upon the talent level mm-hmm. that a team has and so you know, I think McDaniels, you know, he's always done well in that metric. I think, you know, he and Brady always worked well together. And, like, Mac Jones and he worked fine. I, I thought last year at the end you saw some decreases in offensive efficiency. And then, you know, additionally, and this is what, why, you know, the 49ers fan base is so upset, you know, the run-pass ratio matters a lot, too. And I think run-first run teams don't really do the best in that metric because running, generally speaking, is, is a worse choice than passing. So um, will that change in, in Las Vegas? I think it might, obviously, because you have a better quarterback in Derek Carr, you have better receivers as well, and, and running backs that maybe aren't as good as the ones he had in New England. But, you know, he's more of a, friend, a top 10 guy, in my opinion, than a top 6 guy. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, and I'm glad that was a great breakdown of it right there, but I was going to ask you, you know, how much different it could be now that he has Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. You know, that's that's one guy, and let's just focus on Hunter Renfro. How much of a key do you think he could be to what this offense is supposed to look like, seeing the success that McDaniels has had with slot receivers in the past? I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, he only in the regular season had 128 targets, <laughs> turned that into 1,000 yards. I mean, that's a that's a really efficient player. Um, you know, I think, you know, he's going to be kind of that, you know, if you, if Devonte Adams is Devonte Adams, he's more of the Randall Cobb of that offense. Um, you know, I think as a slot guy that can really hurt you, uh, you know, Derek Carr is a good arm. He, he has a good feel for, you know, the pocket and stuff like that. He's gotten better as the years have progressed. I don't necessarily think he's an elite player, but I certainly think he's gotten better. And, and last season when, 
you know, everything was falling or falling apart around him. He really found a comfort zone with, with, uh, with Hunter Renfro. And I think that that is going to stay there. You know, uh, hopefully Darren Waller is healthier and can play better than he did last year. And then obviously Adams comes in. There's always a little bit of the worry and Raiders fans saw this with James Jones, obviously to a lesser extent, but guys that move on from Rogers don't always do the best. Uh, but maybe I, I think Adams has the best chance of all those players that have moved on from Rodgers to actually have success away from him. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same. I think Devontae is going to do a really good job, and him teaming up again with his college teammate, I think that that's going to you know help out a little bit. You know, and Derek Carr, they they kind of on the same page already. As far as the red zone, Eric, wh- wh- how do you think Josh McDaniels? How do you think his offense will attack the red zone? Yeah, I, I mean, I in New England it was always Gronk, and then even like the years that Gronk was injured, you saw the Scott Chandlers of the world and the Martellus Bennett's and the you know, and so the secondary tight ends for that team also you know make plays in the red zone. So I do think Darren Waller is going to be a player that if he stays, I mean, there are rumors that he could be on the outs. I don't think that's actually going to happen, but if he stays, I think he's going to be the big guy. Adams is clearly a guy that if he's singled up you know, it's going to get open no matter how you sort of do it. So I think he's going to get his fair share. And then Renfro, you know, was, was pretty good there as well. So I, I, and, and Josh Jacobs is a good running back. I know he didn't get the fifth year option. Uh, I think a lot of that is because of the offensive line in front of him, less than his ability. Um, but you know, that I think they're going to be good in the red zone. I, you know, the, and they're going to have to be, I mean, this right. is a division where if you get threes instead of sevens, you're not beating the chiefs. You're not beating, the Chargers, and you're not beating, uh, you know, the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson. Yeah, and you know that's that was the Raiders' problem a year ago. There was too many threes and not enough sevens, and so that was one of the areas that uh, of my concern. I actually threw out, you know, hey, there's three questions that you have about the team right now. What would they be? And one of my questions was, how do they attack the red zone? How do they make sure that they get seven instead of three? Uh, as far as the running backs go, you mentioned Josh Jacobs, and of course, there's a plethora of running backs right now in that running back room. Uh, fr- from what I've seen in the Josh McDaniels offense. He likes to do running back by committee. Do you think it'll be that same approach with a heavier lean to Jacobs? Do you think he'll still be the lead dog? But, I mean, they got Jacobs. They got Drake. You know, they just drafted Zamir White. I mean, there's there's a bunch of options in that Raider running back room. Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, when, when he was in Denver, I don't remember it being quite as much of a committee play when he was the head coach. I think Belichick is much more of a, you know, when, when he was in Cleveland, for example, he had Leroy Horde who is a really good player that he drafted Tommy Vardell, you know, like he was, he's always kind of been a guy who trolled running backs by never giving them enough carries to be any, to, to have the thousand yards. So you, you wonder if it's, it's McDaniel or if it's Belichick in, in his sort of worldview there. Um, you know, I, I do think Jacobs is a good enough back. The problem is that offensive line to me, that's the, that's the big weakness, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, you, you, you're really hoping that, that guys like Leatherwood can play, uh, you're really hoping for for some guys to take a step up, and, and to me, I don't know if that if if that means that the the value of the running back position is gonna is gonna matter that much, just because it's all really gonna depend upon the table that's set in front of them, not only by the blocking of the offensive line, but by the efficiency of the passing game, because you know the efficiency of the passing game is gonna open up a lot of the run game stuff. As Raiders fans know, like early in Jacobs' career, when the r- passing game wasn't nearly as good, like Jacobs was you know not necessarily having the best holes to run through even though 
I think he was at his best form. Right. No doubt about it. We're talking with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. You mentioned Alex Leatherwood, and obviously the Raiders offensive line has been a conversation we've had hot and heavy around here for weeks, you know, for a long time, actually, even going back to last year. How much do you think him playing a whole season, even though he was a tackle for a little while and then kicked inside the guard, how much do you think that that's going to help in the development, just having those those game reps under his belt? It's it's a lot, right? I mean, I think you know anybody who has talked to a coach will tell they'll tell you the further away from the ball you are, the easier it is to play right away in the NFL. And, and so you know, Tristan Wirfs is kind of the outlier, right? And, and in fact, you know, my boss Chris Collinsworth likes to say, you know, Tom Brady protects Tristan Wirfs more than the other way around sometimes. But you know, you look at like Andrew Thomas was the fourth overall pick in the 2020 draft. He was. He mightily struggled as a rookie and was very good last year, right? You saw even somebody like Colt Miller. I mean, I, I'm a Chiefs fan. Frank Clark like earned that hundred million dollars because of a game in London against Colt Miller alone. Right. I think you know, and and he's emerged and become even like Eric Eric Fisher as a Chief. Like he was terrible at the beginning and became an okay tackle down the stretch. And obviously, okay offensive line play is super valuable in the NFL. So I, I'm I'm optimistic. He was obviously overdrafted, and and I think. You know, you can't, you can't undo those sins, but that doesn't mean, I mean, you remember, you know, Raider Nation before, like Robert Gallery was probably mm-hmm. overdrafted, yep. but he actually emerged as somebody who was a very useful offensive lineman for them for years. So I, I, I think if, if Leatherwood becomes that player, and it's very, very possible he will, that'll be great. It's a tough division, though. I mean, you look at the interior defensive lines of some of those teams, it's Sebastian Joseph Day, it's Chris Jones. Uh, you know, there are some really good players uh, rushing the pass, or Shelby Harris, I believe, for Denver. There are some really good interior players rushing, not to mention the edge guys that might come in, come inside on late downs uh, to, to wreak havoc. So he'll have to be good. But I, I don't think just because he struggled as a rookie or he was drafted too high, does that mean that he's you know destined to be a failure? Is Derek Carr kind of not designed, but is he perfect, ideal fit for a Josh McDaniels offense because he has the ability to get that ball out of his hand so quickly? Yeah, I, I, I do think that that's true. I think one thing that if you look at Brady's career, um, his career really took off in that second wave of Super Bowls, so like 2014 and on, when he developed, and it's, it's crazy, and I know I, I'm going to HGH, whatever the heck he was doing, where he <laughs> developed a deep ball that, you know, going into those years, I always thought Carr had a better arm than Brady. But now you look at Brady and like he's gotten better at throwing the ball deep the older he's gotten, which is crazy. I think the one thing, and, and I know Raiders fans are probably, you know, look back at the John Gruden era negatively, but I think that the one thing that John Gruden really did that was good for Derek Carr is it got him throwing the ball downfield. And you look at his average depth of targets, you look at his aggressiveness. Um, you know, you were talking right before I got on about that deep ball to Henry Ruggs against, against Pittsburgh, and I, was, I bet on uh, Vegas that day, so I was really happy that that <laughs> ball got complete. Um, but like Derek Carr's got to keep that too, you know, cause I think early on the Gruden time you, you saw, he was just so anxious to get the ball out because of all the skittishness from the Del Rio era. I, I think he's got to keep the aggressiveness from the Gruden era and obviously let McDaniel, when he does decide to throw the ball short, uh, obviously, you know, get guys open and capitalize after the catch. But I think Derek Carr, 
became a better player because of Gruden, because of throwing the ball downfield, and I think he's got to keep that. Talking right now with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus on uh, Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And, Eric, we got a couple listener questions that uh, we had texted in from my guy Rob in Oakland. He said, uh, can you ask Dr. Eager these questions? The Raiders have to play (laughs) the great American Niners and the L.A. Rams this season. If you were a defensive coach on the Raiders, how would you advise the Raiders linebackers to play when the opposing quarterbacks turn their back for a handoff or play action? Yeah, and this is great. If you go to my Twitter, I, I have some. I, I use some of the NGS data, the next gen stats, the chips in the shoulders. You know, I think teams are effective when their linebackers stand still against those teams. Um, if if Sean McVay, you saw in the Super Bowl, wants to hand the ball to Cam Akers for two yards of carry twenty five times in a game, you let him. Right? It's that. It's that. Uh, you know, Oakland fans will remember. It's that. It's that uh, money ball scene where he says, "Let pick up the bunt and throw it to first. Like that. You want you want McVeigh handing the ball off. You don't want him throwing to Cooper Cup. And I think with the Niners, it's really tough as well. But like I would say, most motion against the Niners is wasted motion. So make, just make sure the ball is handed off, and then make tackles. The, the the nice part about Shanahan is he doesn't seem to prefer his most talented running backs. He'll draft a guy like Trey Sermon in round three, and then play a guy like Elijah Mitchell from round six. And so take advantage of that because those guys are generally not as talented as they could be. And just wait for them to take the handoff. If people forget that in the playoffs, Elijah Mitchell averaged basically like three yards a carry. Uh, and so where, where those teams really kill you is if you actually bite on the play action. Mm. And then he said, how would, you, how would down, distance, and situation affect your advice? Well, uh, it, it's the same thing. Like, I think the, the biggest, one of the biggest things we've learned using PFF data over the last few years is that you know, essentially what you want to have is a really good interior defensive lineman that can hold the point of attack. I, I don't, it, it would obviously change it. I, my linebackers would be retreating on third down and, you know, five or more, no matter what. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're standing still on early downs, but I also don't want my linebackers flowing that much on early downs. I, I just want, you know, you essentially have to, you know, trust your defensive lineman to win battles up front. Luckily for the Raiders, I mean, they have, especially in Max Crosby, a really good player, you know, at the point of attack um, to do that. But, you know, to me, if you trust your defensive lineman to make plays, play with small boxes. And if a team gets a six-yard gain on you, that's still less than the average pass. So, you know, uh, you know in some ways, invite the other team to run um, by being somewhat soft against the run and then just play good defense in the red zone, give up threes instead of sevens, and then trust your offense. There you go. That's the key, right? Giving up threes instead of sevens. That's going to win games more times than not. And, Eric, fantastic stuff. Before I let you go, I wanted to ask, and this is also something I saw on your Twitter account as well, about your new project. I always say DBs win games, and I love your new project that you're working on with Pro Football Focus about coverage and perfectly covered plays. Can you break this down, what's going on right now with Pro Football Focus and this particular piece? Yeah, I have my my group working on uh, some new data we started to collect, basically looking at every single – individual matchup as a win-loss in coverage and essentially what we showed is you know that the if you give up if you get beat in in coverage one player of your secondary gets beat it's worth about six tenths of a point uh so conversely if you can keep yourself um you know if you can keep yourself from making mistakes in the secondary uh you can you know you're it's worth a sixth of a point or a, a six tenths of a point i'm sorry so it's huge. And in defensive backs, a weak link system, um, meaning that, you know, you need all five or six guys to be good. Uh, and, and I think that that's where a lot of teams have erred in the past. I think you look about Detroit spending a third overall pick on a corner and then the rest of the guys not being very good, you know, and um, we the teams that have really had success. The Cincinnati Bengals last year, 
they had six players uh, play, who had played over a thousand snaps in the secondary for another team join their team last year. And so even though guys like Trey Wayne's busted, even though guys like Jesse Bates didn't quite have as good of a year as normal, they were able to patch it up and collectively win in the secondary. And I think that's a lesson for all NFL teams. You don't need brilliance at any one position in the secondary. You just need guys who don't lose. And you need about five or six of those guys that don't lose. And so uh, I, I think that's like sort of the, the next wave is, you know, think about defense as a weak link system and try not to be fragile back there. So let me ask you this. Trayvon Mullen, Rakia Sin, Anthony Averett, you have Jonathan Abram, you have Trayvon Merrick, uh, Deron Harmon, uh, Nate Hobbs is in the, in the secondary or in the slot for the, for the Raiders. How are you just overall picture looking at that secondary? I, you know, I honestly don't think it's bad. I mean, if you would have told me Anthony Averett's kind of of like the same ilk as like an Eli Apple, like right guys, the Bengals. And it's like, if you would have told me before last year that Eli Apple would have stolen Trey Wayne's $14 million a year job, I said, you're crazy, but he did. Right. And he yeah. was okay. Like yeah. he wasn't terrible. And, you know, those are the guys, I don't care which of those three or four corners work. I just need three or four of them to work. And I think that's, that's kind of how you have it. You have to have a little bit of humility, right? Cause your scouting staff is going to get some of them wrong. Um, but if you have the humility to play the guys that are playing the best at that moment, you're going to be good. And, and you know, there, there are some names in there that with some pedigree and, and, you know, especially with defensive backs by the dip, right? You have to be healthy to play defensive back. Mm-hmm. It's a streaky position. So if a guy has a bad year one year because of injuries or just playing a tough schedule like James Bradbury did when he was in Carolina, you can oftentimes find value on those guys. And so, uh, you know, Averitt had a tough year last year, but, you know, he was in a division. Think about all those good wide receivers that played in the AFC North, uh, I, I think he'll be fine. Okay. Well, there you go. That was one of my big questions. You know, who's going to be cornerback one? And, Eric, according to you, I don't need to worry about cornerback one. I just need to worry about the secondary uh-huh. in general. <laughs> I like yep. it. Hey, that's that's fantastic stuff. It really is, man. Great breakdowns. You got anything else that you're, that you're working on that you want to uh, go ahead and promote that we need to be on the lookout for? Yeah, I, I do the PFF forecast every, every Sunday and every Wednesday. We're going through and uh, listing something positive about every team. Yesterday, we did the AFC West and the AFC East. I talked about how Max Crosby gets off the ball faster than any player in football last year. Uh, you know, Raiders fans, it still wasn't enough for them. They still think we're too negative about them this year. But Max Crosby is a fabulous player, and I, I can't wait to see him uh, do his thing again this year. No doubt. Well, Eric, great stuff, man. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. I appreciate you, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me on. Take care. All right, there he goes. Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Eric, or as my guy uh, Rob in Oakland calls him, Dr. Eager, and I know that they call him that on Pro Football Focus as well, some of the uh, podcasts and stuff of the work that he does. But really great breakdowns right there. I mean, some really good stuff. And answer help, help and answer one of the questions that I had about who's cornerback one. He's like, hey, Anthony Averett's not really that bad. I mentioned the stat earlier that he was top 10 as far as press corners. Now, he did mention health. He said you got to be healthy to be a, a good corner. Trayvon Mullen historically has not been healthy. But if the other guys can step up and play and make a, a, a good unit, maybe the Raiders are on to something. 344 is the time. Your thoughts, your texts, hit us up. 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword r This is Raider Nation Radio 920. And this isn't a shot at anybody, any other quarterbacks or, you know, on the, in Green Bay. You know, I love Jordan Love, especially. He's a, he's a great guy. But I got aspirations of doing really, really big things and, and being remembered. And, you know, it just 
wasn't really a point in my career that I was willing to, to sacrifice, you know, Aaron not being there, you know, after a year or two. So my decision was to be here and, and he respected that. He understood. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Devontae Adams talking about the quarterback situation in Green Bay and some of what led to him ending up in Las Vegas and the fact that Aaron Rodgers was honest with him. You know, it's something that I know Vinny Bonsignor brought up uh, on this very show. As a matter of fact, he said, hey, you know what? If it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers being honest and saying he didn't know how long he was going to be around, Devontae Adams probably wouldn't be a Raider. So as much mess as we give Aaron Rodgers for being Aaron Rodgers, and rightfully so, the one thing he did was do right by his buddy and Devontae Adams and ultimately made Adams make the decision to, to roll on and get up out of Green Bay and head to Las Vegas and now be a Raider. So uh, when you see number 17 in the end zone, uh, you can kind of give a tip of the cap to, <laughs> to Aaron Rodgers for at least being honest because, look, you know, it's like someone's going to say, well, he should be honest with them. Right, but that doesn't mean that he would be. Everyone's not 100% honest with their, their teammates. I mean, there's t- I don't know how many times I could talk about, you know, Antonio Brown, how – Unhonest he was with Derek Carr when he first became a Raider and how he was going to do this, that, and the other. He did nothing. Everything he said he was going to do, he absolutely did the 100% opposite of. Starting with the day he signed his contract when he was late. But yet he was going to hold people accountable, make sure that they were <laughs> on point doing what they were supposed to do. You know, went to, went to Derek Carr's house and had his little film crew. And I'll tell you this, not to try to bring up old stuff, but when Antonio Brown showed up at Derek Carr's house and he had his little film crew and was... So excited. Can't wait to get to work. This and that. I'm working with Derek Carr. This and that. I thought it was suspect then just because he showed up with a, a, a film crew. You know what I mean? Like he had someone filming everything. I, I just kind of something, you know, and I know that we're in the age where everyone is recording everything. But dog, if you show up at my house and you're recording something, I'm thinking that, you know, there's some there's a bigger purpose here than just, hey, I'm glad to be your teammate. Right. I didn't show up to Lotus Broadcasting when I got the job with, you know, a camera crew and everything. Ari, you what's up, You seen dog? this guy. <laughs> Hollywood Q. Right. I didn't show up like that. Truth be told, Ari will tell you, I was here in the building, what, two and a half years ago? It was before the pandemic, right? Yeah. Trying to record a, a demo to try to get a job here. Ari was the engineer behind that. Was that what the, I remember doing some podcast or something, and that's kind of how I knew that's you what, were headed to before you got to Yeah, Lotus, that's but, what we were working huh. on. That was yeah. me and Joe. We were so, working on it in the ESPN studio over the weekend. It was, it was, I forget what weekend it was, but we came in, and we held you a little bit longer than you wanted to be around, but, you know. See, and, and I, I and was it all like, comes I'm glad circle. to be here. I'm, I'm glad to help out anything you Man, need. you should have seen Ari. He was so angry. He's I like, knew. man, why am I here on a weekend? I knew I I'm not supposed to be working. Who is this guy? That's not true. Who is this guy? Why are they doing this show and it's not even on the air? We did. It was about, what, an hour? And then I think you had to produce it. And you I don't to, even remember. Yeah. Half of, I, I just remember you like, oh, it, that's that's the guy? It, yes, I already know him. We're cool. <laughs> we have a rapport. <laughs> He's cool with me. <laughs> he owes me. <laughs> no, but it is good to have, you know, a little. No, all joking aside, I, I knew what you were about. Like, I knew your work ethic and I knew, I didn't know your, maybe your management style, but I knew, like, right. the guy that's coming in, I 
Yeah. I don't so. know my management style either. Well, it's all right. <laughs> Learn as you go. We Learn keep, on the fly, we, baby. We definitely uh, don't keep things exciting around here. For we you, do keep sure. things exciting. That's oh, for yeah. sure. You never know what's going to happen. But we've been throwing out there, been having a, fun, a lot of fun on this Monday. And uh, a lot of folks are actually off work today celebrating Juneteenth, as it was yesterday on Father's Day as well. But it's actually being celebrated uh, as a national holiday or a federal holiday for the first time uh, ever. The wife is off. Shocking, right? She's in the banking world. They're off everything. I've mentioned that before. If the sun comes out the wrong way, it's like, oh, they're off. Right. Yep. Half day. She told me this morning. She's like, oh, I don't have to go to work today. I was like, why? And she's like, oh, I got Juneteenth off. I was like, all right. And so I used my grandmother's like my grandmother's line. I was like, I'll kiss a duck. Always a good. <laughs> so I was like, ain't that something? Like, how are you off? And I ain't off. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I got I got the text from my friend who's also in baking. Uh, a few of us on a group text. Yeah. He's like, hey fellas, what do you, you know? Do you want to hang out? I got we got we got the three yeah, day we, weekend. Yeah, we got the day off. <laughs> I'm like, I actually we had just gotten an email about July 4th. Right. You know, so we're ahead of the game here. And I was like, uh, oh, we're off that day. You huh? mean, yeah, you mean two weeks from now? And then I'm like, <laughs> wait, do you guys get fathers? Is there some kind right, of fathers? Right, I right. mean, you should, but right. it's Sunday, so. Yeah, no. We're that's, glad to be here. That's that's funny. But yeah, a lot of folks are off today. So if you are and you're at the house just relaxing and enjoying your day, you know, uh, that's awesome. Uh, we definitely appreciate you. But we've been having fun on the show, throwing out a few different questions. Uh, one, how did your father help shape your, your Raider fandom? If he helped shape your Raider fandom, some some could be like uh, Jared in, in Las Vegas who called and said, hey, he didn't make me pick a team. He didn't make me pick his team. He allowed me to pick my own team. That helped me shape my Raider fandom because if it hadn't been for that, he would end up being a Falcons fan. And that's a that's a kind of a random one, right? That's kind of a random one. I don't hear a lot of people saying, obviously, that people are in Atlanta, but I just don't hear a lot of people saying that, hey, you know, we're Falcon fans. Like I knew a girl. Of the, I knew yeah. a girl that was a as a big time Falcon fan, and for the dumbest reason, because her sister is a Raiders fan, and this is she used to live in uh, in Fresno. And I was like, "Why are you a Falcons fan?" And she was like, "Oh, because remember I dated so and so from 112." And I was like, "Oh, you're such a groupie." <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, "You didn't That's... date him. He dated you while he was in town." Like, let's get it. Let's be honest about the situation. That's funny. Yeah, That's but a good that was tie-in. that was her reason though. Because she was dating so-and-so, or she thought she was dating so-and-so from 112, the group, and that's why she was a Falcon fan. That's funny. But her sister's smart. Her sister's a Raider fan. So there you go. That, that's one of, I've heard a lot of reasons behind why someone's a fan of something, you know, right. like outside of being living there. But yeah. That's, uh, never heard that that's one. That's the huh? tops right there. Yeah, I know. I've never heard that was one either. Slim? Um, who, who knows? I can't remember. No, I, I knew. I was told who it was, but I forget. I forget which one it was, but I mean, whatever. Maybe we can get him on the show sometime. Oh, no. Be a great. No. Hey, man. No, no, dog. <laughs> Why are you trying my, to set me up for failure? No, cousins. see, no, see, what you're trying to do is set me up for failure. You're trying to get me to make the contact. Then it's going to be like, wait, hold on, Q. How come How no, come no, no, you no. have this contact? I literally, I just want to go. I'll be like, uh, on the Ari, show. Ari set this up. Ari did this. This had nothing to do with me. I would be ecstatic, just for the record, to have any of those fellas on the show, just so we're clear. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know what would get them on the on the show to talk about. Not that. Yeah. Right. So hey, <laughs> so you want to tell me about no <laughs> sports? So that was one of the questions that we threw out there. How did your father help shape your Raider fandom? Then I had also the question: What are the three biggest questions you have about this team or this coaching staff? My three big questions: Offensive line, I think, is number one for everybody. It should be number two. And it's funny because we just had Eric Eager on from uh, Pro Football Focus, and he basically said, I don't need a cornerback number one. But my second question was, who's going to emerge as cornerback one? You know Trayvon Mullins in the mix. You know that uh, you got Rocky Sin in the mix. 
You got Anthony Averett in the mix. Obviously, Nate Hobbs is the slot corner. You got Jonathan Abram, wherever they're going to play him, somewhere in the secondary, somewhere you know on the back end, or maybe they're going to play him by the line of scrimmage. That's up to uh, that's up to Patrick Graham to do. You've got Trayvon Merrick in the back end. You've got Deron Harmon in the back end. I think that's going to be the one-two punch right there at the safety position, Deron Harmon and Trayvon Merrick, which I think would be fine. I think that's really good. Deron Harmon's a guy who creates turnovers. That's something that the Raiders need is a guy who can create turnovers. But I was asking specifically about cornerbacks, but you know, Eric just basically said, hey, as long as you have five or six guys that are good to decent in that secondary, you're going to actually be better off than having a true number one, like a shutdown corner. I found that to be pretty interesting. So those are the two questions that we had for you, 702-365-9200. Also, the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up next, we're going to kick off hour number three of the show, and we're expected to have Dr. David Chow, pro football doc. He's going to join the show to talk OBJ and his ACL tear, talk about Trayvon Mullen, and more. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.